This is episode three of the Topsoil Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and though, for those of you that have listened to all of our episodes so far, thanks for uh, you know sticking with it here. You made uh, it to episode we, three. You made it to episode three. We should you know drop us a quick line on Facebook and we'll uh, send you a certificate or something, <laughs> like a certificate of survival. So, um, so for those of you who don't know, Mitch is like on the circuit of speaking right now. He's like been gone for three weeks to conferences. He's always gone, never around. Um, but that's great because he's, he's really doing some good stuff. He's hearing a lot of really good content from people who are, you know, filling him full of knowledge. So my question to Mitch today is what is the biggest thing that you've taken from your trips? Maybe fill guys in and where you've been over the past month. And, uh, what's the, what's the biggest aha moment you've had? Um, so essentially since, beginning of the year it's middle of march 2018 right now so traveling kind of all over between uh, multiple things around iowa we're in southeast iowa washington county um practical farmers of iowa in ames here on monday just a couple days ago we're up in ames bob strite um and his group looking at show me the money was the name there of their event so looking at highly productive agriculture, looking at some new products and stuff there, some biological kind of things, some uh, nutrient optimizing products and stuff there, micronutrient kind of stuff, plant um, plant health, looking at looking at the tie between soil health, plant health, animal health, human health, really awesome stuff. That's a huge topic just in itself. Um, but been down to the National Association of Conservation Districts in Nashville, been down to the Brookside Labs Conference, spoke down there um, in Clearwater, Florida, um, WMT Ag Expo in Cedar Rapids. Okay, right now, which city do you prefer? For all those speeches? Between those three right there. Cedar Rapids, Iowa, home of uh, Quaker Oats. There you go. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Somebody can fact check me out there. But um, then you got uh, Louisville, you said? No, Nashville. Nashville. Yep. Home of country music in yep. Lake Shelton. Yep. Uh, the Voice just came back on, so we'll give a shout out to that. <laughs> uh, my wife loves that show. And then number three... Uh, Clearwater, Clearwater, Florida, right? There I don't know if you can Tampa, beat that. Man. Yeah, I don't know if you can beat that, but that was a pretty fun place. Been down there a couple times. Where where should one person, so there's, you know what, there's actually a Hawkeye bar in Clearwater. There was, Clearwater. I saw it. Yeah, yeah I saw okay, it. Okay, so for uh, our fellow Iowans that are listening right yeah, now. Go to Clearwater, you got to go to the Iowa Hawkeye bar. You can see it right there on the main drag coming through, all black and yellow, decked out. Food, rating of one to five. I've, I've, I did but not go. go. It was okay. not open what when we walked by. What place oh, did you eat? I don't remember. It was some rooftop bar deal. Rooftop bar. Really water. good. Um, good food. I think we were even there during happy hour, so that's good. Um, happy hour drinks up there. Then the bar that we ended up with in Clearwater the next day caught fire. No way. Yeah. True story. That's what happens when Iowans go to Florida. That's right. So, time out. How much is a, what is a happy hour beer? How much does it cost? Oh, man, beer? I don't know. Probably still five, six bucks at least. So. At happy hour? Wow. It's expensive. Not as bad as Bora Bora, but it's okay. What's a, what's a can of Keystone going for now? Oh, man. In Washington. Oh, can't I mean, be I very much. I need to call Michael Vito. Get, can't get be a, very much. Get a current price on a 
30 pack of Keystone Light. So, yeah. I don't know if you can get it less than 10 bucks. Less than 10 bucks. I don't know, man. That'd be a That's steal. cheap. That'd be cheap. Still not worth it. Okay, number one thing you took away from Clearwater, Florida. What was it? Oh, Clearwater. So, essentially on how as a ag, it was an ag consultants conference. As an ag, independent ag consultant, how do you play with big data? How do you compete against um, these massive tools that have a lot of data in behind them? How do you set yourself apart and be valuable to a farmer? The big takeaway there is strong agronomics, boots on the ground, personal relationships, huge for anybody in agriculture. I think to have those pieces, know what you're talking about, being able to relate to people, being a practitioner out there in the field day to day. That's a big takeaway there um, as consultants, but also I think on as consultants, how do we feed into specialty markets that are developing different topic there. Um, how do we provide data to look at things like sustainably sourced again, different topic. won't get into that today and, um, helping people to analyze a wider variety of soil parameters. Okay. The soil health deal is sure. definitely, um, here to stay. So that was a big takeaway there. Um, Nashville, we were talking about urban conservation there, partnering on a, a project there. So um, some cool things going, though, on urban conservation in California and Texas and mm-hmm. on the East Coast, on the coast, you know, and uh, really cool on how I think we can learn from what people all across the country, all across the world are doing and relate that back to our large scale agriculture here. Sure. Um, big piece of that is getting a wider variety of people involved and aware of what's going on and creating positive connotation behind um, not only some of their smaller scale um, ag in the city, but the large scale ag that, Hey, we're doing things the right way here too. And we're being conscious of the environment and trying to do things right and produce a healthy product. So yeah, that was a takeaway there. Yeah. That's a totally another topic there. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Um, so real quick, circle back to big data, okay? Biggest complaint I hear from farmers is we make a huge capital investment in some type of machinery, some type of data uh, that goes with that or some uh, monitor yep. system that captures data. Now, I, you know, there's huge big data companies that are emerging all over the place, you yep. know, with you know, even like Monsanto with climate, you know, like big companies that are buying up smaller companies. Yep. You got Ag Solver, you got all these, these different Which Ag Solver's already gone, bought by EFC, a bigger company here in the last month. So, that already gone, yep. So, big companies buying up the little guys. In now. the data world. Yeah. Number one tip to a farmer on how to make sense, because that's the biggest thing. They get the technology. Don't use it, right? Like, don't use Huge. it or else hire some consultant to come in and to help and, to do yeah, it. Yeah, right. And they still don't end up any better off. What is the number one tip that you have to a farmer on how to use? Like, where does he start? I think for, okay, so if you're using a big data tool, it's starting small, starting basic, make some simple prescriptions is definitely one. Mm-hmm. Seeding prescriptions. 32,000, 34,000, 36,000, put that out there, put some learning blocks in or some strips where you're switching up your, you know, you got your 32,000 rate or even 28,000 population of corn here, 28,000 seeds per acre. And in my patch of 28,000 seeds per acre, then I'm going to 
apply a little area of 36,000 seeds per acre, 34,000 seeds per acre, see what happens. Utilizing those big data tools allows us to take that as applied planting map so I know exactly where I put that different rate. That goes straight into the program, the Mm -hmm. online program. Then when I harvest, I already have that layer, simple analysis of my yield and my economics. Learn from that. What happened? What worked better for that soil? Now next year, instead of having only one small block of 34,000 seeds, hey, that worked pretty well. Sure. That Maybe that whole area needs to be at 34,000 seeds because that area out-yielded in an economically beneficial way, out-yielded the 28,000. So if I so if I was a customer and I was looking at one program right now, which one do you think would be where I would start? Not necessarily the best, not necessarily where you think is the best dollar spent. Mm-hmm. But if I wanted to start trying to manipulate and look at data to get actionable results, yep. SMS, Ag Solver, Climate, where you know, don't let me the you know, so, a different one. Which one do you think you'd start with? Well, and. So I've got some experience with multiple different tools, but definitely not an expert by any means or to give a really good answer. But what we're using this year, we'll go off of that. I'm really excited about using Profit Zone Manager was Ag Solver, now EFC. Um, The big takeaway there is how do we farm based on profitability Mm -hmm. instead of only on yield? Now, yield is a big driver. Yield is really important to be profitable. Sure. you got to raise a lot of bushels to be able to sell corn for $3.5 and be profitable. So yield is really important. Um, but looking at profitability, I think, is key. Where with um, some of those tools, you can look at profitability at a super small area. Three-meter grid is what we're looking at. That is the size of this small office room that we're in. And we can look at the profitability of this one tiny data point with all of my layers of inputs, including even insurance and farm pricing and all that kind of stuff, labor. I can layer all of those data and evaluate my profitability at that small of a scale. That's pretty cool. Is there a point that you get too small? I can think. You, can you metadata the metadata? I mean, at some point, where do you pull the plug? Right. So based on that profitability, then you've got to be able to tie that back to zones. You've got to be able to manage based on zones and not manage based on little grids. Because we know that square lines in a field is not actually how, is not representative of what's actually going on in that field. So when you're saying zones, what do you mean? I'm saying zones that have curved lines that go in between that are following... Um, parameters in that field as far as being able to utilize my zones to make a seeding prescription or make a fertilizer prescription or okay based on my profitability analysis I know that this area of the field is consistently losing money why am I still planting 35,000 seeds and why am I still using my full rate of fertilizer in that area yeah it might be tough to go around that area and Mm -hmm. omit it from the field but utilizing the big data, utilizing some of our other tools, you sure. want to be able to do that in Profit Zone Manager. Now you'd go to your climate or to your Encirca or whatever that you're using, make a seeding prescription that shows that small area. Maybe it's a, 
a hundred foot circle, pretty small or something, sure. or a little a little pothole in the field. Um, we can pinpoint that with this very small grid. And instead of planting 35,000 seeds there, I can plant 24,000 seeds, maybe even less, cut my rate in half, save a lot of money. You're still putting some out there so it doesn't look weird and you want to keep weeds down and that kind of stuff. Um, so you still want to be able to use it. But And if it's a bigger area, um, I'm excited to be able to utilize things like edge of field practices, like wetlands, like prairie strips, like pollinator strips, where a farmer can even get some cost share money to take that area from a zone that's consistently losing money and be able to make money off of it, maybe even create some environmental impact or, you know, some beneficial out of what has been a negative for so long, but we've just been farming it anyway. Just speaking to my heart, dude, when yeah. you say stuff like that. But, uh, okay, so my question is, again, going back to zones, I talk with some of my the people that I work with about it has to be a reasonable place to change management, right? So when you're talking zones, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you got to look at your farm and say, I'm going to break this apart by how it would reasonably make sense. I could farm it differently. Absolutely. If it doesn't make sense that I can make a change at this point, then I can't split that zone apart. I think that's part of why the agronomist or the consultant is still important. Because they know how that farmer is going to be able to utilize a prescription. How intense do they want it? Can they change the seeding rate every couple hundred feet? Or does it need to be a pass all the way across the field? Because they have to manually get out and change. You know, they have to stop, slow down, change, switching over buttons. It's not going on the fly. Right. So as a consultant or agronomist, you can do those things. Yeah, where sure. currently with the big data tools, um, that would be a lot more layers of data for them to be able to tie in. For sure. To look at all of your, if you had to plug in all of your equipment as well into those tools, that'd be, that just adds that much more data mm-hmm. to be able to uh, decide how intense your zones want to be. But So for right now, I think it definitely depends on, okay, how am I logistically going to be able to utilize this data and like I said, there's no point in making a super sophisticated, over-aggressive map if you're not going to be able to do sure. it. And those tools can be expensive. Yeah, so absolutely. why spend extra money if you're not going to be able to use it? So the same, is- thing, same thing for buying any of that equipment, though, too. Why, why buy mm-hmm. – uh, so even on your planter, why buy variable rate technology if you're not going to use it at all? Which is because most guys don't understand how to use it. Right. right? Like, absolutely. So like, like they, it's not that they're, they're not willing. It's like – I don't understand how. Yeah. And so there is a piece. I mean, you can't just go buy that object and just expect it to be fully functional. Like, you really have to understand how to function the piece that you're buying technologically. Before when there's new pieces all the time. That investment, for sure. So a guy says, I don't learn anything different. I look at the maps because, let's just say, real basic starting point is, you know, at least print your maps. Yeah. I mean, I hate to... Uh-huh. maybe say that but there's you know i come across that all the time guys they have mapping capabilities don't even print, don't even print their print map. maps off. yeah you yeah. know it, to even look at just your maps changes, also right? your map is also no good if you don't have it calibrated like your harvest map you can still see you can at least see differences like you can still see non i mean we're well, losing good and bad <laughs> yeah good and bad okay so, so but my question is is a guy says well i only see what i knew to begin with right like the 
yeah, the railroad runs through that farm. I mm-hmm. get it. You know, the old there was the old country store there that we tore down, or the old hog building, or yes. that's where we used to haul manure at. You know, like there's these. Okay, so you see these things. Where is the biggest thing that you would see, or you would say to pay attention to, where a person could immediately add value to something maybe that they don't already know, like right. those type of things. So I think that's where. Okay, now we're looking at um, whether it be some underlying issues like some lower level compaction kind of issues that are showing up um in the plant's ability to get roots down deep um those are things that some of the aerial imagery tools or ndvi can show us um some of those plant stresses that are showing up in a different wavelength versus what we're able to see they can also be out in the field they can also be really small that if we're going out scouting and whatnot might miss them so i think that's a tool to be able to um tie in some of that aerial work and there's some pretty awesome tools coming with uh, aerial imagery, um, even more than what we already have, which is amazing. I have no idea if you know this, but what is, real quick before we finish, coolest non-technology th- piece, like from the cab perspective, but on a piece of equipment? What are you most Ooh, excited about? On a piece of equipment, like, in, the te- in the field, real-time kind of stuff? Yeah. I think, well, I mean, you can go to autonomous tractors and stuff. That'd be one. Sure. There's guys in, in Iowa that are working on that where it's your tractor as it is, mm-hmm. attach this piece of equipment to it, and allow it to drive by itself, especially for your grain cart. I literally was talking to a guy today, automatic lawnmower. Yeah. Automatic lawnmower. Why not? I freaking love it. Husqvarna makes it out. It looks just like a push mower without yeah. the uh, handle. Yep. A little shout out to Josh Kruger up there in Riverside. In the new Hanville, new subdivision up there, built a new house. Just seated his lawn down, went up to take a look at it, and already bought himself a automatic lawn. Automatic lawn. I like love it. it. I'm gonna keep you posted on that. Yeah. By the way, as that goes. But I think uh, I think the other tool though that I see would be like the smart farmer kind of technology, being able to map, sure. being able to map organic matter, um, so organic matter, moisture, um, in real time. That is sweet. But the problem is, how do I utilize that? How do I make actionable data out of that? That is, how do we tie organic matter to nutrient cycling, nutrient release, um, water holding capacity? Now, in some people are able to supply water when they need. Some of us can't. Mm-hmm. So that one's only good for certain areas. But organic matter tied to biological activity mm-hmm. and nutrient recycling and how your soil is going to be able to hold nutrients. If my soil is not going to be able to hold on to my nutrients, I can't go and apply most of it up front. I've got to be able to spoon feed it out or else it's going to be gone. Or if I've got a really heavy soil, that stuff's going to be tied up really tight and it might not all be there for the plant. Mm-hmm. Now, I might not lose it. I'm going to be able to build that stuff up. But being able to have organic matter maps at a super specific scale, super small scale, that is crazy. But the technology still needs to be developed on how does that organic matter change my nutrient availability throughout the year? How does it influence my um, soil temperature, my soil moisture, my infiltration, those kind of things? How does it influence those throughout the year? That, I think, still has to come. We still got some work to do there. Um, But that's one thing that I'm pumped about is being able to map that stuff out at a super specific scale. Because there's no way that we can go and pull a soil sample at that kind of a scale but already being able to see organic matter in real time there's already sensors coming that we're going to be 
using this year to look at nitrate in real time. It's not going to be long before we have all the other nutrients as well that when you go across the field, you're dragging this basically through the soil, mapping all of those nutrients out in real time. Now, there's a lot of work that's got to be done Absolutely. with that. That's yeah, multiple, sure. year, multiple years away. And uh, in depth and everything is going to play a big role. Where your placement is, time, time back to the four R's um, of the you know right place, right time, right, right product and all that, um, right rates. So there's a lot of work that's got to be done done with that and the role in biology in all those things but that's what i'm excited about is being able to evaluate some of those nutrients in real time every pass going across the field and then also having sensors that stay out there in the field to monitor even when we're not there boom that's gonna be awesome we just really went ag technology 2050 here there's so yeah you know leave us some comments leave us some feedbacks freaking I, I got to take some time to myself to process what Mitch was just talking about. So, uh, until next time, yeah, we'll, we'll get see back you into next it. Time. Thank you. Thanks, guys.